Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, Did Missing a Train Cost a Marine His Life? And I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this preview on No Home for Heroes on your YouTube or Audio Burst broadcast, we invite you to listen to the complete podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Today's story recounts the loss of a loving son who chose to send all of his meager pay home to our father. And yes, we wanted to save this episode for our special Father's Day production, but we just couldn't wait to tell his story. All of us here at the Foundation want to dedicate this episode to all of our loyal listeners whose fathers served in the armed forces. We know you all have a story to tell, and hopefully your story has a much happier ending than the hero highlighted in today's episode. And now, on with our show. Today's episode is a little bit different because we're going to start the program by posing a question rather than providing an answer. Our question results from case number 0421 in the investigative files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. Today we're going to learn how a Marine was late reporting for duty after a very short furlough was granted him when he completed training to be a barrage balloon crewman. You sure don't want to miss this one because we think his tardiness prompted his transfer to a combat unit where he became a MIA in his very first action. Is it possible that something so simple as missing a train cost this young Marine his life? Stay tuned, and we'll tell you the full story on today's No Home for Heroes. Morris Benjamin Laycock stated that he was born in Arlington, Virginia. His date of birth is confirmed by the Virginia State Birth Records. However, his first name is listed in the records as Maurice and not Morris. In either case, he was known as Benny to his family and friends. Benny's mother died at age 34 in 1926 in Washington, D.C., when Benny was just three days shy of his fourth birthday. At the time of the 1930 census, Benny was living with his father, John Marshall Laycock, one older sister, and one older brother in Arlington, Virginia. Benny's father worked as a butcher for a meat market. Benny later stated that he attended eight years of grammar school and two years of vocational high school in Flint, Michigan, before leaving school without graduating in 1939. He participated briefly on the high school swim, baseball, and football teams, and Benny listed horseback riding as his favorite hobby when he joined the Marine Corps. In 1941, Benny worked in a federal program in Washington, D.C. known as the Works Progress Administration, or WPA. In that program, Benny learned to operate a photostat machine, making blueprints and photographic copies. His salary at that job was a whopping $27 per week. 
Benny enlisted in the United States Marine Corps Reserves at Washington, D.C. on 22 September 1942, and he received the rank of private. The term of his enlistment was for the, quote, duration of the national emergency, end quote. Benny listed his residence as Aldi, Virginia. Even though Benny was beyond the minimum age to enlist, his father signed a consent for him to enlist in the Marine Corps on 19 September 1942. Private Laycock, new Private Laycock, listed his father as his next of kin, and he completed all the necessary paperwork to receive U.S. government life insurance in the amount of $5,000. He made his father the beneficiary of his life insurance policy. Private Laycock listed his father as a dependent and requested that 100% of his base pay be sent to his father each month. Now, I'm going to go off script here for just a moment and want to warn our production engineer, Cindy, that I'm kind of be talking extemporaneously. But of all the hundreds of case investigations I've completed, over 400 now at the Foundation and 179 at the Department of Defense in 2011 and 2012, I don't believe I've ever seen an American serviceman or American servicewoman send home 100% of their pay to their next of kin. This is a tremendous thing. Think about it. Private Laycock didn't have a single nickel to spend for a Coca-Cola or a Hershey board because every penny that he made went home to his father. Now, he didn't make a lot of money. Private in 1942 probably made $30, $35, $40 a month. A month. But not a single nickel stayed in Private Laycock's pocket. All of it went home to his dad. Private Laycock listed his religious preference as Baptist in his record, meaning that the letter P for Protestant was probably imprinted on his USMC identification disc or his dog tags. He received his tetanus shot in October 1942, and that date was also imprinted on his dog tag. Benny was unmarried. He had brown eyes, and he had a very freckled complexion. When he registered for the draft in 1942, Benny stated he was 66 inches tall, had brown hair, and weighed 140 pounds. His official USMC photograph contains a chart that does conflict a little bit with his listed height of 65 and three quarters of an inch. The photograph appears to indicate that Private Laycock was approximately 67 inches tall. And during a classification interview in February 1943, Private Laycock stated he was 67 inches tall and he weighed 155 pounds. So he put on a few pounds in the Marine Corps. His cap size is unknown, but he had 20-20 eyesight. And his blood type was AB. Private Laycock's last recorded dental examination was on 10 April 1943, and he had a pretty significant dental profile with 12 fillings and cavities, no extractions, and no wisdom teeth noted at the time of the exam. Private Laycock's medical records indicate that he had no previous bone fractures, breaks, major scars, or birthmarks, but he had kind of an unusual tattoo on the back of his left forearm, which read, M period, B period, L period, obviously his initials, but on the back of his left forearm, a very surprising place for a tattoo. Private Laycock completed his United States Marine Corps basic training with the 7th Recruit Battalion at Paris Island, South Carolina, 
and he also was briefly with the 10th Separate Recruit Battalion in New River, North Carolina. Private Laycock qualified as a marksman with an M1 Garand 30-06 caliber rifle in the Marine Corps Rifle Range in New River, North Carolina on 13 November 1942, and he was authorized to wear the Marksmanship Medal. Ironically, Private Laycock failed to qualify on the bayonet course, sometimes considered the easiest of all the weapons courses. And his records reflect that he never did qualify with that particular weapon, and he was listed as unqualified with a bayonet. Private Laycock listed his first choice for assignment in the Marine Corps as a, quote, motor transport driver. And he listed his second choice as a barrage balloon operator. Foundation found some color photographs from the time when Private Laycock was going through basic training that showed barrage balloon training being conducted at the same training center where Private Laycock was in attendance. No doubt, young Benny could observe these huge silver balloons in the sky while he was completing his own training. Well, surprisingly, Benny got his wish. On 15 November 1942, Private Laycock was transferred to the Barrage Balloon Training Center at Camp Lejeune, New River, North Carolina for a six-week course which qualified him as a balloon crewman. On 25 January 1943, just after graduating from the Barrage Balloon Training School, Private Laycock failed to return from a six-day furlough, and he was officially listed in Marine Corps records as Absent Off Leave, or AOL. Well, he finally returned to his duty station at 10 o'clock at night on 5 February 1943, and he had been gone without leave for over 10 days. This was a serious offense. Well, maybe not that serious, but nonetheless, he was tried by a summary courts martial for that offense on 10 February 1943. He was quickly convicted, and he was sentenced to a loss of pay of $25 per month for a total of four months. Now, as we've talked about, this didn't really hurt Benny, but it hurt his dad. So for four months, from February 1943, probably through June 1943, Mr. Laycock received a substantially less allotment. Instead of a safe, behind-the-lines assignment as a barrage balloon crewman, Private Laycock was transferred to Alpha Company, 13th Replacement Battalion, as a rifleman on 20 February 1943. He was transported by train across the country to San Diego, California. Well, there's our question for today on today's No Home for Heroes. Did Benny get transferred as a part of the punishment for being late, 10 days late, returning from furlough, or did he simply miss the deployment of his original Barrage Balloon Company after his training? Did they go on before Benny got back off the furlough? Well, these are questions that we may never know the answer to, but unfortunately, the results were the same. On 11 March 1943, Private Laycock embarked aboard the USS Wharton in San Diego Harbor. The next day, he sailed on board the Wharton crossed the equator on 20 March and arrived at Appia Harbor in American Samoa on 25 March 1943. Private Laycock later embarked aboard the SS Typhoon 
in Appiah Harbor on 24 May 1943 and sailed to New Mia, New Caledonia, arriving on 30 May 1943. He embarked aboard another transport ship, the USS Rochambeau, on 24 June 1943 and sailed to Willing- Wellington, North. <laughs> Let me change that. Let's call it Wellington, New Zealand, arriving on 10 July 1943. In New Zealand, Private Laycock was immediately transferred to Kilo Company, or King Company, 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines, which had previously fought during the Guadalcanal Campaign and was withdrawn to New Zealand for a period of rest, refit, and training in preparation for the invasion of Tarawa. On 30 June, Private Laycock received his semi-annual professional conduct record, sometimes known as a fit rep, fitsent for four. This fitness report scored him as a 4.0 in military efficiency, a 4.0 in neatness and military bearing, a 4.0 in intelligence, a 5.0, the highest score possible in obedience, and a 5.0 in sobriety. Private Laycock was promoted to private first class on 1 August 1943, and on October 18, 1943, Private First Class Laycock and his unit boarded the USS Monrovia in Wellington Harbor for amphibious training near the Hawke's Bay area of New Zealand. The Monrovia briefly returned to Wellington before setting sail on 1 November 1943 for another week's amphibious training at Afadi Island in the New Hebrides. They were there from 7 November through 13 November 1943, and then the Monrovia proceeded on to Tarawa. The 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines, was designated to land on Red Beach 3 during the invasion of Tarawa. Benny's unit, K Company, began moving from the line of departure toward Red Beach 3 shortly after 11 o'clock in the morning on the first day of the invasion, 20 November 1943. K Company was in the lead of six waves of landing craft. A Japanese 14-centimeter gun on the eastern end of Basio Island spotted the wave of boats as they grounded against the reef several hundred yards from the beach. The battalion commander later wrote, quote, We drew no fire from the beach, even when we got to within 400 yards. Then we hit the coral, and then we drew heavy fire. But I believe our casualties were light. The water was then about three feet deep, end quote. Two of K Company's boats on the easternmost end of the first wave of landing craft were struck by the Japanese gun and completely disintegrated, dumping their riders into the water. Survivors reported the distinctive clang as a shell impacted a split second before an explosion. In one of these boats carrying the wave commander, six were killed and ten others were wounded. One of the three surviving boats in the first wave dropped its ramp at the edge of the pier and the Marines charged into 10 to 15 feet of water. Dragged down by heavier packs and equipment, very few Marines from this landing craft survived. One of K Company's boats holding the entire first platoon dropped its ramp when the water was somewhat shallower and Marines began to wade toward the beach in chest-deep water while under intense Japanese machine gun fire mortar fire, and artillery fire. One platoon of K Company and a few stragglers managed to concentrate together on Red Beach 3 near its junction with Red Beach 2, 
Another group of about 35 members of K Company were thrown together with members of I Company and other members of the 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines, to defend a portion of the beach near the pier. All dug into defensive positions and awaited further orders. In a very rare occurrence on Tarawa, none of K Company's officers were wounded or killed in the battle. Private First Class Laycock was originally listed on his USMC casualty card as missing in action on 20 November 1943. His status was later changed to killed in action as of 20 November 1943, and his status was changed on 16 February 1944. This document does not list a cause of death or a burial location. The American Graves Registration Unit report of January 1944 and the island commander, Captain E.C.B. Gould, in his report of June 1944, both note that Private First Class Laycock was missing, rather than listing him as buried at an unknown location, as was done with many other Tarawa casualties. The Foundation found Private Laycock's Individual Deceased Personnel File, or IDPF, and it had the following notation. PFC Morris B. Laycock, number 456865, was killed in action 20 November 1943 against enemy forces on Tarawa Atoll, Gilbert Islands, body not recovered. In 2016, our Foundation researchers discovered Private Laycock's service record book in his official military personnel, personnel file, or OMPF, at the National Personnel Record Center in St. Louis, Missouri. The document also notes body not recovered. Ironically, our researchers discovered a letter in an OPMF file for Private First Class Joseph E. Gexie. The letter was written to Private Gexie's family by the commanding officer of King Company, Captain Odom. The letter stated, quote, The boat that Joseph was in was hit out in the water. I was unable to find any trace of Joseph, and there are six other boys in my company that were missing. End quote. Well, our research indicates that there are a total of nine members of K Company who were originally listed as MIA, which includes Private First Class Laycock. We don't really know if Benny was in the landing craft with Private First Class Gexie or in another of K Company's landing craft. But, as Private First Class Laycock was an MIA just like PFC Gexie and not originally listed as a killed in action, it is very possible that he was in the very same landing craft with Private First Class Gexie. So, the bottom line is always this. What happened to Benny? The specific circumstances of Private First Class Laycock's death are unknown. The date of his loss is noted in all of his official records as the first day of the battle, 20 November 1943. This date corresponds to the known attempted landing of his company on Red Beach 3 on that date. However, the lack of a description of his wounds on any of his records indicates that no one likely found or identified his body after his death. Based on all the available evidence, including the biometric profiling in the Foundation's Random Incident Statistical Correlation System, or RISC, Private First Class Laycock is not a most likely match to any individual recovered on Tarawa 
who was previously buried in the Punch Bowl Cemetery in Honolulu, with only the name Unknown carved on their grave marker. A foundation review of Private First Class Laycock's distinctive dental profile excludes him as being any of the unknowns other than several possible matches who are buried in the Punch Bowl as unknowns who do not have any dentition to compare to Private First Class Laycock. Of course, there's the possibility that Private First Class Laycock could be one of the many sets of remains that have been recovered on Tarawa since 1963, which continue, after almost 50 years, to be identified and await identification by the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, or DPAW. The backlog of recovered sets of remains awaiting identification by DPAW is estimated to exceed 1,100 American servicemen and American servicewomen whose remains are now stored in cardboard boxes on shelves in the DPAW laboratory storage room. The average time for identification after remains are received in the DPAW laboratory was reported by an internal study to be 11 years. The average time, 11 years before an identification. In the final analysis, the preponderance of the evidence indicates that Private First Class Morris Benjamin Laycock was killed on the morning of 20 November 1943 in the waters off Red Beach 3 on Tarawa. If PFC Laycock is not one of the recently recovered sets of remains from Tarawa that DPA has not been able to identify, his body was probably obliterated by combat trauma and or was washed out to sea before reaching the beach. If this was the case, the remains of Private First Class Morris Benjamin Benny Laycock were lost without benefit of burial by his fellow Marines and are unlikely to be recovered in the future. Another son lost and one of almost 73,000 sons who continued to be missing in action from World War II. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes. You can now subscribe to listen free on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to tune in every Saturday when we will post a new episode of History's Military Mysteries Missing in Action. Episodes of No Home for Heroes are produced from the actual investigative case files of the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation, dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. As always, we greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available to you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. Our next episode will be a special Father's Day edition of No Home for Heroes. And we will let a young man lost during World War II tell his own story in the first person. You sure don't want to miss this one because it will give you a whole new perspective on the voice of history. Tune in to hear it for yourself next week on No Home for Heroes. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas, I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that 
Poor is the nation that has no heroes. But shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them.